It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and uh, it's Wednesday, which means uh, coming up in about an hour, we have our weekly roundtable, Armchair Politics, and uh, political operative Bobby Clayton Walton will be joining our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, for two hours of commentary and analysis about the headlines in local, state, national politics, and current events, plus uh, some quotes and my favorite, The X-Files. But first, we're going to talk a little bit about um, COVID-19 and, in particular, uh, vaccinations and boosters and how important those things are. And um, joining me by phone is uh, from University of Michigan infectious disease physician, Dr. Payel Patel. Payel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Um let me let me ask now. I, I I've made some jokes about you know I I got the uh, vaccine when it came out, um, the Pfizer two shots, and and you know I joked about who am I to turn down a double shot and so on. Um, but then I found myself uh, making a little addendum for the booster, <laughs> which I referred to as a chaser. But how come if we if we had the vaccine right? Why did we have to have a booster so soon? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. You know, I think a lot of it is, and one is that, you know, we've really... Payal, your uh, audio is breaking up and dropping out. Well, maybe they'll call back and reconnect or something. Yes, Mr. Sumner, we'll try to call back and reconnect with you. My apologies. Hey, uh, no worries. Just welcome to live radio. <laughs> <laughs> My guest is Dr. Payal Patel, infectious disease physician at University of Michigan. And we're going to talk about the importance of boosters as soon as we get uh, reconnected here. And don't forget, we have uh, armchair politics coming up in about an hour. Our roundtable regulars, Flint's premier political pundit Paul Rosicki on the left and longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter on the right will be joined by political operative Bobby Clayton Walton. So um, hopefully we'll get uh, our connection reestablished here with um, 
Dr. Patel from the University of Michigan. Uh, she is an expert in uh, antibiotic resistance, infection prevention, and public health. Um, she studied at the University of Texas Health Science Center in uh, San Antonio and uh, also at Harvard. Um, and uh, Johns Hopkins. Wow. Anyway, uh, we'll try and get reestablished with her and welcome her back. I don't know. I thought we'd be getting a call by now, but Hey, sorry, I'm I'm back. Oh, hi hi Payal and uh sorry we got all glitched up there, but but what I was uh what I was asking what we were talking about and we'll just pick it up there is why th- why did we have to have a third shot or or a second shot if you had the Johnson and Johnson, but why did we need a booster so soon after getting two doses of the vaccine? Yeah, it's a great question. So, yeah, I don't know if you heard when I um, when I was explaining that, you know, we've been really lucky in the U.S. to have really easy access to free and lots of vaccines, whereas internationally, unfortunately, a lot of people have not been able to get the first or second vaccine. So it's really given the virus a chance to evolve um, the good, good, the good news is people who are vaccinated, the vaccines really have held up against a lot of these variants. But the booster decreases your chances even more of going to the hospital and getting really, really sick from COVID nineteen. Well, let me ask about about the variants, and and I understand how um, because this is is global, um, the fact that that we didn't have. Um, a majority of the people on the planet getting vaccinated quickly um, that that it could continue to spread and so on and um, am, am I right in in what I've heard that um, that a an infectious disease like this mutates to some degree every time it's passed from one person to another um, you know uh, these viruses like such as the flu and COVID-19 can be really, really complex. Um, most of the time, they, what we call like these mutations, they're very, very small and they don't really affect um, how one one would be sick or how quickly it would become contagious. But because we've had this pandemic, the virus has really had such a long time now to kind of continue to do its thing, especially in places where a lot of folks may not be vaccinated. Um, and so that, that we see this with all sorts of viruses, and that's part of the reason that we need the flu shot every year. And that's kind of an interesting um, process because the flu isn't always the same flu every year, and the vaccines have to be adjusted. And there's a certain amount of almost predicting that has to go on to figure out, well, what flu are we going to face this year and what do we need to give in the way of vaccines to protect people? Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, so far we don't know yet what exactly the future holds in, in terms of COVID-19. Everything we've been doing has kind of been happening at the cutting edge pace of, you know, this is where we are and, and this is what we know. So it's, it's very hard to predict 
um, what what the future will hold. But I think that it, it probably re- will be different from the flu. We have, you know, more than 100 years of knowing how to deal with the flu, and we've come up with this yearly kind of schedule for that. I'm not yet sure what to tell your listeners about what will be in the future in terms of boosters for COVID-19. Yeah, I, I want to get into that a little bit because, um, you know, the, our fear is when there's a virus like uh, like COVID-19 and, and then variants come along, we always assume that it's getting somehow worse or more potent or, you know, or more transmissible or, or you know, it, that it's just, that it's growing worse. That isn't always necessarily the case. Are, do, do these viruses, um, as they mutate, do they, do they wane a little in intensity? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And I think, um, you know, we, again, it's very hard to predict the future, but I do think that we probably will see some more variants in 2022, but we suspect that they probably will be, hopefully, weaker. And again, at the end of the day, what that means is if you're vaccinated, you know, that's good news. But if you're unvaccinated, you still are at risk of ser- serious side effects from any variant from COVID-19. What is the risk of, of these variants developing uh, their own sort of immunity or tolerance to the vaccines? Um, well, you know, th- that's a great question. And we've seen now, you know, over the last year, we've, we've seen Delta kind of take over as the predominant variant and now Omicron. Um, they've both had, you know, different ways. Omicron seems to be very transmissible. But the good news has been throughout, you know, the steady good news has been that what the vaccines were intended to do, and and at the end of the day, that's what, you know, we have to remember is that they were intended to keep ourselves, our parents, you know, our our children out of the intensive care unit. And when you look and, you know, in the hospital, you don't, you just don't want to have to be admitted to the hospital with COVID-19 and end up on a breathing machine. And really, that's what the vaccines continue to stand up to do for each variant. So I think that that, at the end of the day, is very good news. And is that because the the vaccine is effective at the core of the virus and, and that um, that core remains sort of the same from uh, variant to variant? Yeah, and it basic yeah, it basically means that even though the virus, you know, viruses, bacteria, they're all very, very smart. You know, we think about antibiotic resistance, we think about viruses with their different variants. They're consistently trying to outsmart us humans. Um, but you know, we we've been able to build vaccines sturdy enough and with the booster especially sturdy that, you know, that intent continues to work out for us. You know, there was a lot of talk when the the uh, vaccine was first developed. You know, when we had uh, Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson and Johnson, they all sort of came out fairly close to the same time. And there was this notion that somehow it had happened very, very quickly, comparatively to the development of of previous vaccines. Um, it, in fact, I remember that. 
getting it out to people was Operation Warp Speed and all of this, you know, kind of rhetoric about how fast and how miraculous it was that we had vaccines as quickly as we did. But a lot of that had to do with work that had already been done on things like SARS and Ebola and so on. That that gave us a little bit of a head start, didn't it? Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, like in, in the field of infectious diseases, um, there's many different people who work on how are viruses transmitted? What kind of um, vaccines can we use to fight the next infection? You know, four years ago, I worked with a number of different physicians to come up with what what do we do if and when the next pandemic hits? So these are these are things that we're consistently thinking about. And I think that that sometimes gets lost um, in the conversation. And so you're exactly right. You know, the, the research behind the mRNA vaccines or the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines were, was really in place for 40 years with funding from the government and people. Scientists had been looking at how do we use this technology to really make the new best vaccines. And then Operation Warp Speed, what it really did was cut down all of that red tape that often happens when when you're doing anything, you know, in, in science. And so Warp Speed really helped cut down the red tape and get that research that had already been in place used towards making these new vaccines. And, and again, why... Why so quick with the with the booster? Is there um, a short life to the immunity of these vaccines? So it it does have to do with the variants, and so you know okay. we said that the the virus continues to try tried its best to try to evolve and figure out a way to keep going, and the the those initial those initial vaccines we got, you know, if, if the virus had been cleared up from the world. Um, you know, in a dream world, we wouldn't have to worry about it, but it's still out there. There's still lots of folks, you know, who, who haven't gotten unvac- who haven't gotten vaccinated yet. Um, and so, you know, the, the immunity did start to wane and there was still a lot of virus out there. So the booster basically helps reduce your chances of getting very, very sick. It, it, you know, it, the first and second shot are very, very important. The third shot is going to continue to keep your immunity going longer. Is the third shot more of the same? Or is yeah, it is. And, and in, the different, in the different kinds, the dosing may be a little bit different, um, but it is very similar to the first two shots. Um, Payal, I have to take a short break here. Can you stick around for a few minutes? Because I want to talk about this some more. I've got lots of questions about this. Sure, no problem. All right. My guest is uh, infectious disease physician at University of Michigan, Dr. Payal Patel. And uh, we'll be back with more after we let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. They are WFOV, Our Voices Radio 92.1 LPFM in Flint. Uh, a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions of my friend Paul Hearing. And if you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We have more of the Tom Sumner Program and Dr. Payal Patel about boosters straight ahead. 
everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County. Where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Hi, I'm State Representative Sarah Anthony. Our community and communities across the country are seeing a rise in gun violence. Firearm injuries are one of the leading causes of death among children. 
Parents, it is your responsibility to know where your firearm is at all times. First, lock your gun away somewhere safe. Also, make sure that it is disassembled and unloaded. It's up to us to prevent gun violence in our community. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation about uh, COVID-19 vaccines and, and more specifically boosters with infectious disease physician from University of Michigan, Dr. Payal Patel, who joins me by phone. Payal, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. No problem. Um, just before the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, the the booster um which for most people who've been vaccinated is the third shot in a, a fairly short time. I mean, within the course of a year. And it, I, I, I couldn't help feeling a little bit uncomfortable that we might be encouraging the notion that more is better. Mm. Yeah. I Do you know what I, I mean think, by that? If uh, two shots was good three shots is better, well, why not four or five or six? And, you know, the thing is, I, I can't say that there won't be another shot, but um, the reason is that it, it's a, it's all a spot in time. So the, the first shot was excellent for when you got the first shot. And the second shot is excellent for when you're scheduled to get the second shot because it really helps your immune system realize, okay, now I know what COVID-19 is. I know how to fight it. And for for those months afterwards, that would have been fine. But the world has changed in a way that COVID-19 continues to evolve. And so you, the third shot is really intended to help with the new variants and, again, to reduce your chances of going to the hospital or having to, you know, get hospitalized and go to the intensive care unit. So I would think of each each shot is really... A, a spot in time and and that's what's happening with our immune systems and in a year or so if we have to get another shot because the virus has continued to evolve and our own immune systems are waning this happens with all all sorts of different diseases if you think about when you send a kid to college and they have to get you know a meningococcal booster you know they go they got those shots when they were kids um, but then there's a chance that that can come back again, especially when kids live in dorms together. And so that's why all college kids have to get boosters of those shots. So it's something that we see in infectious diseases. And, and depending on how much virus is out there and how what the, the infection itself is like, the timing may be different. But it's all based on how to protect patients from a bad version of that disease. If someone has been um, vaccinated and and they build up an immunity to COVID-19, why is it that we're hearing that that people can still get it? We you know we never hear you're safe now from the disease. It's always you're safe now from the worst of the disease. Yeah, and. You know, that, that is the same with, with many vaccinations. You know, even with the flu shot, um, I think of I think of so many folks who who in you know, previous years when I see them in clinic, you know, they're they're like, Oh well, I, I get the flu, you know, and so I, I don't need to get the flu shot. And again, the intent of something like the flu shot or COVID nineteen is not there is no way for it to completely prevent 
you from ever, ever, ever getting that disease. The intent is, again, even with the flu shot, really, is to keep you out of the hospital, keep you from getting very, very sick, and keep you from dying. And so that's why I really recommend to my patients to get those shots, not so you don't get the sniffles or you may miss a day or two of work. I wish we had a way to, you know, really reduce that completely from happening. I don't think that that is a, is a, is a goal that we have in mind. Our goal is to really keep people out of the hospital and from their life completely being turned upside down by these infectious diseases. Now, most of what we've been hearing about and talking about and in, in seeing on the news and listening to, you know, health professionals uh, explain to us has been about vaccination. Um, but now there's a treatment. Can you tell me a little bit more about that treatment? And, and is it effective for people who get COVID-19 that have not been vaccinated? Or is it um, only effective for people who have been vaccinated and get COVID-19 anyway? Yeah, and I, I think I want to underline here that um, really, at the end of the day, the, the vaccines are actually the most effective option. If you're really trying to prevent yourself from getting sick with COVID-19, the vaccines are the way to go. And so that is the best way to kind of, you know, protect yourself, protect your family, you know, stop you from really getting anyone else in your household very, very sick. Um, so we've been lucky that there have been some new options coming out for treatment of COVID-19. We don't have an unlimited supply of them, you know, because that because these are all new meds and they're all being made, you know, rapidly. We, we only have so much in, in the U.S. really to, to give to patients. So there's actually more than one. There's a number of um, different kind of five or six treatment options that we have. For, for a couple of them, they actually ended up not being useful anymore because of those changes that happened from the Delta variant to Omicron. So again, you know, you're going to see these, these medicines may not be as effective as the vaccine, but if you, if you do get diagnosed with COVID-19, if you take a test at home and you have, you know, maybe you're older, maybe you're over the age of 65 or you have lung disease or you got vaccinated, but you have an immune system issue and you're very worried that you're going to get very ill. These are options for, for folks like that, whether they're vaccinated or unvaccinated. But at the end of the day, most hospitals are having to put in some sort of scoring system or triage system because, again, we don't have unlimited supplies of these medicines, whereas we do have, you know, a number of vaccines all over the, the country. So I would think of all of these things as uh, like, you know, an arsenal and you start with, you know, your most effective thing, which is the vaccine. And, and once you have that, if you get if you do get COVID-19, you already have dropped your chances of getting very, very ill. Um, but we do have some other options right now in ERs um, and and in pharmacies now kind of across Michigan. You know, one thing that um, that I remember as this first began and vaccines started becoming available, there was this this goal, this notion that if we hit 70 percent or 80 percent of people in the U.S. vaccinated, that that would basically 
thwart the disease, that, that we would eventually get to what was called at the time herd immunity. And then we had this, this whole trust problem where people weren't taking the advice of uh, scientists like yourself. What, what happens there? And, and the bigger question is, and I'm sure it's frustrating to you and other medical professionals, that there are people who don't trust the science, they don't trust uh, um, agency leaders and, and experts. Um, but then we see healthcare professionals in hospitals around Michigan and around the country that are refusing to take the vaccine. And that helps um, reinforce the, the doubt and the mistrust in the, in the medications. Um, what, what's going on there? How is it that healthcare professionals are not unilaterally taking the lead on setting the example for getting vaccinated and, and beating this thing? Yeah, you know, I think at the, you know, at, at the end of the day, when you look at most hospitals and healthcare systems, um, you know, these were the early adopters in, in most places, like, you know, um, any, any hospital that you had mentioned, 90 to 93 percent, you know, that, that's a lot of people compared to the, the United States, right? Um, and so most people in, in science and healthcare were, were the folks who signed up really early on to, to take the vaccine. There's always going to be, or, you know, when you think about like iPhones or technology, there's always going to be folks who are the early adopters who are on board. There's some people who wait to see whether it's a vaccine or um, anything, anything new. Um, they will wait and see. And then there's folks who really don't want to change or don't want to try the new thing. So that that paradigm kind of goes to all sorts of things. Um, but I would say that in in healthcare, you know, we we are the ones who have seen, unfortunately, you know, so so many patients over the last two years, and so. There's really a sense of optimism, you know, one year ago, more than a year ago when the vaccine came out. Um, and, yeah, it, it's been really unfortunate that there's, you know, there's still a lot of folks out there who, um, you know, who are still not sure if they want to take the vaccine. I think that those early adopters took the vaccine, the folks who were waiting, you know, now it's been a year and, and there's millions of people who have been vaccinated doing completely fine. Um, and so, you know, for those folks who had been waiting, I would say the same thing to parents of, of children over five, where the vaccine has been available now for a while. You know, when you see all, all these kids getting getting infected, and, and most of the folks who get go into the hospital, including kids, are unvaccinated. I think, you know, it's, it's time to stop waiting. You know, we, we've had more than a year of seeing folks like myself who got the vaccine in December of, you know, 2020 and are doing fine. And so I think that, you know, those those early adopters have, have really, you know, been the ones who took it very early on. There's that group of middle folks. Um, and then there's there's folks who may never take it. And I think that um, that that is that is just going to be how society is about anything. But we in healthcare are doing our best to try to talk to people about, you know, the benefits of getting vaccinated, you know, the the truth behind, you know, what it means to come into the hospital with something like this 
and how offending it can be to your life. Are hospitals um, universally requiring that their personnel all be vaccinated, and, and is that appropriate for them to do? Should they be doing that? Many healthcare systems, and I would say most healthcare systems have, um, and you know, of course, it makes sense, right? So if you if you are vaccinated um, or have you know taken the, the precautions to get boosted and against COVID nineteen, and you, you come into the hospital for something else, um, you know, it would it it seems unfair to be at risk, you know, from your healthcare team of someone being unvaccinated. At the same time, though. These days, just because of how much spread there is, um, you know, there is a lot of spread in the grocery store, in the gym, you know, wherever you're going. But at the same time, in hospitals and healthcare systems, we really it, think patient safety is really, really important. And so I think that is the reason that most hospitals and healthcare systems have mandated vaccines, because putting patients first means making sure that they have a safe journey from the time that they arrive to the hospital. You know, when uh, we first started hearing uh, about COVID every day back in March of 2020, it, there, was, there was this sense that if somebody caught COVID-19, it was a death sentence. That, you know, their, their chances of surviving, especially if they were sick enough to be hospitalized and put on ventilators, that um, their life expectancy was pretty nil. Um, was that actually true, or were there lots of people that were getting COVID and, and surviving? And, and has that threat of serious illness and death um, dropped dramatically? What, what are a person's uh, uh, chances for life expectancy that get COVID now as opposed to two years ago? Yeah, I think, you know, at, at the end of the day, that all comes down to the that person. So um, when this all started, we didn't have any vaccines. And so everyone was, everyone was at, you know, more of a risk because there, there just wasn't any way for our systems to really be protected against COVID-19. Our, our systems were naive. Um, these days, you can really drop your risk of, of having those those outcomes when you do get vaccinated and get boosted. Um, but unfortunately, you know, if, if you remain unvaccinated or have an immune system that, you know, just like, you know, doesn't work with you to build that immunity despite vaccination, you still continue to be at risk of, of those serious outcomes. And, and yeah, definitely, you know, I and all nurses and doctors and respiratory therapists and all the folks who work in the hospital have seen all those patients that, um, you know, were here for months and months and, and don't make it, and that continues to happen, unfortunately. And so I think um, it can be really easy to forget what's happening at your local hospital if, if you're not there, um, but you, you just don't want that happening in your family. And I'll say that often we see families that have been, you know, that all have decided you know, most of them are unvaccinated, and then many of them get sick, and many of them have to come into the hospital at the same time. So I think talking to your family members, um, especially if there's folks in your own family who, you know, aren't sure about, you know, whether they're going to get the, the booster or get that second dose, 
it, it can it doesn't just affect you, it can affect people around you as well. You know, when when again when this uh, all started there was this goal of, of defeating COVID-19, making it just go away. And now we're two years into it, and there's a lot of talk about it may be here to stay, but maybe in some kind of more manageable fashion, like, like we have learned to deal with the, the flu and common colds and other things that, that make us sick sometimes. Um is that just simply a result of us learning more about the uh, about the disease over this uh, last couple of years? I think it's a combination of of multiple things, and that is, you know, human behavior, and um, just like you were talking about, if you know, if we had been able to get everyone vaccinated, and if we had gotten the world you know, vaccines at the same at the same rate that we were able to get vaccines in, in some of the developed nations, um, we might be in a different a different place right now. But I think that, you know, just because of how bad things were, all of us were, you know, thinking about I you know, we just want this to end. When will we get back to normal? But I think we've been through something really life altering. And so I think getting back to a new kind of normal is probably what we should think about and taking small steps towards. I, th- I think a lot of people got together with family this Christmas where there was a whole set of holidays where that, you know, that seemed really kind of more worrisome. So taking it small step by step and, and kind of savoring those things is probably how we should approach this next year. Uh, um, do you think we'll see a a, um, a definable end to the pandemic nature of COVID-19 later this year? Oh, it's very hard to predict. You know, I mean, I, I, and, and I say that. So hard to predict. And, and I say that with the understanding that COVID's going to be around forever, but it may not always be a pandemic as such. Yeah, I mean, you know, really, it's it's up to all of us, right? It's it's up to um, up to us and convincing, you know, folks in our own in our own circles to to get vaccinated and and to get boosted and um, you know, doing all of the things that we can to protect ourselves, get kids, you know, vaccinated. Um, all of those things are much of that is in our own hands, and so um, if we do what we can as, as citizens. I think that we may see an earlier uh, return back to a new normal. You know, when you mention kids and, and vaccination, there have been a lot of people who've been reluctant to um, vaccinate children, and there's been concern about vaccinating um, children, especially very young children, 5 to 12. Um, is that partly because of... Um, and I don't know if it was um, misinformation or or not, but early on it was often reported that children were considerably less at risk than older people. Yeah, you know, I think in general, right? Children are children have have usually pretty good immune systems compared to grandma and grandpa, right? Just just for everything. Um, and so it, it's almost an unfair 
comparison to, to compare a seven-year-old does to like a 97-year-old, right? Um, but now as we move into this new year and we see how many older adults have gotten vaccinated, um, we've done a really wonderful job actually like, uh, you know, vaccinating the geriatric population. People my parents' age have been amazing about getting out, getting their booster on time, you know, doing all of the things because they know that they really are at risk for those serious outcomes. And now we're seeing that increase in children, you know, getting COVID-19. And that's because they they remain, you know, that group that is that can be largely unvaccinated. So, you know, as if you're thinking about this as a parent, you really want your kids to get back to school in a safe environment. The way to ensure that is, you know, to protect them against against COVID-19. And we've we've seen in this outroll of the vaccination of ages 5 to 12 that there have been amazingly few, like, serious side effects. So that's, that's fantastic news. You just haven't seen anything in the news about kids having issues with the vaccination. That's, no news is good news. So, you know, I think if, if you're worried about getting kids or grandkids back into school safely, the, the easiest way to protect your own risk factors there is to get them vaccinated. And and finally, um, well, let me first just say thank you so much for spending this time with me this morning. Dr. Payal Patel, infectious disease physician at University of Michigan. And, and Payal, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about. And with all the doubt and and mistrust what are some good resources for information for people to learn about vaccines mask use the boosters how often when what ages and so on what what are some of the best places to go for information that you can vouch for as as being reliable Oh, sorry. Can you hear me now? I can. Okay. Um, yeah, d- depending on, you know, how much information you want, I, I, I can vouch for um, a website that I am an associate editor for, which is called the COVID-19 Real-Time Learning Network. And that that is a network that is really, really co-funded by the CDC as well as the Infectious Diseases Society of America. And it might be, you know, it might be, that might be best for someone who has some sort of medical training um, or some sort of scientific training because we go through the latest research on all of the things you mentioned, vaccines, treatments, mask use, and we try to bring uh, a neutral and, you know, just just a, a summary of the latest evidence on all of those things. If you if that seems like a bit too much to bite off, which is totally okay, the CDC and HHS have a, a number of great websites. Just yesterday, I was looking at um, the CDC has a nice little, um, almost like a little infographic on whether you should get tested, and you can you can follow through. You know, explain why you're thinking about getting tested. Were you exposed? When did it happen? And it helps you figure out if you should get tested or not. So there's a lot of a lot of helpful infographics and really patient-centered um, handouts and things from the CDC. Those would be the, the trusted places that I would go for my information. 
Dr. Payal Patel. Thank you so much. Uh, we have to end it there, but uh, keep up the good work, and thanks again. Thank you so much. All right. And with that, we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program after we take this short break. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger, and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office on mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash AG Complaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flynn Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan. Flipflip Technology. My Community College. It's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to tom at tomsumnerprogram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, 
and future. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Ladies and gentlemen, Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickerson. After seven years of cycloid insomnia, or slugger's disease, John Bickerson had finally consented to allow Dr. Hershey to relieve his condition. In room 113 at the General Hospital, Mrs. Bickerson watches anxiously as a surgical nurse ministers to poor John, who is suffering an attack the night before the operation. Listen. Oh, it's like being married to a steam shovel nurse. Cough's normal. Enjoy yourself, dear. Dr. Hershey's waiting for you in the corridor, Mrs. Bickerson. Oh, Hello, doctor. Is he resting? I gave him a sedative. That'll quiet him down. Well, he isn't very quiet. Oh, well, actually, I could have done the operation in my office. It's so trivial. I won't be in surgery over 15 minutes, and there's absolutely no danger whatsoever. Will it hurt him? Not the slightest. All we do is take a stitch in his palate and shorten his uvula. I hate to bring this up now, Dr. Hershey, but how much will it cost? The fee will be $50 with the anesthetic. How much is it without the anesthetic? I would say about $40. Would there be any discomfort if he didn't have an anesthetic? Not for me, there wouldn't. I wouldn't advise the operation without it. And you're sure he'll be cured when you're through? Oh, practically certain. Well, it's almost midnight now. I'll do his case first thing about 7. He just needs a good night's rest. Well, I'll just stay a little longer. Good night. Call the floor nurse if you need anything. Oh, I will. I hope that pill's quieted him down. I'm sure that isn't doing him any good. John! John, wake up! What's the matter, Blanche? Uh, What's the matter, huh? I put the cat out, I locked the windows, I left a note for the milkman, and I I hung up... John! We're in the hospital. What for? Is somebody sick? No. You're going to have an operation. Dr. Hershey's going to shorten your uvula in the morning. Well, then what did you wake me up now for? Well, you were snoring, and I was afraid you'd wear it off before he got a chance to operate. You've been snoring steadily for three hours. Don't you suppose I want to sleep, too? You're not sleeping here, are you? Yes, I am. It costs another $5 to put another cart in the room. I... And I intend to use it. I can't get one night's sleep. Where's my nightgown? Not night even gown? in the hospital. I don't understand why you have to have an operation to cure your snoring. I didn't want it. You've been working on me for seven years to do this. I'm beginning to think it was a waste of money. I could have used that $40. I'm still walking around in a short dress. What are you going on about? Tomorrow I'll be walking around with a short uvula. Don't be so crabby. I'm not crabby. I'm just sleepy. Why don't you stop fiddling with that mirror and put out the lights? I have to get undressed, don't I? Well, take your dress off. Why are you plucking your eyebrows at this time of night? I'm not plucking my eyebrows. 
I'm taking off my false eyelashes. False eyelashes? I didn't even know you had bald eyelids. My eyelids are not bald. It's just that my lashes are short, and they don't bring out my eyes. Lots of women use false eyelashes. Well, throw them away. You don't need anything to bring out your eyes. Really? Really. I'm satisfied with the way they bulge now. What kind of a remark is that? Oh, hurry up, Blanche. I'm groggy. Blanche, what on earth are you taking out of your hair? It's a rat. A what? A roll of false hair. I have to wear it for the new hairstyles. My own hair is too thin with a pompadour. Oh, darn it. I can't get out of this dress. Blanche? What are those things? Haven't you ever seen shoulder pads before? Oh, I've never heard of such a thing. Your eyelashes are on the dresser, your hair is in the drawer, and your shoulders are on the chairs. What about it? That's you all over, Blanche. No one can think of more ways to spend money. Are you ready for bed now? Yes, dear. I'm ready for bed. Shall I crank yours up a little? No, put out the lights. Oh, I wanted to glance at the paper first. You go ahead and go to sleep. I can't sleep with the lights on. I left my sleep shade at home. Well, I won't be a minute. No one would believe this. In six hours, they're going to carve me to pieces. I'm supposed to rest, and here I'm... Shh! I can't concentrate with you mumbling. (laughs) There's certainly a lot of activity in Washington. What's all this tax reduction talk? Talk? Listen to what's... Blanche, I read the paper, every word of it. Read it to yourself. Don't be so disagreeable. Dr. Hershey told me to keep you occupied so you wouldn't think about the operation. All I'm thinking about is sleep. Oh, that's a good boy. You mustn't get nervous. No. I see the stock market is going up. That's fine. We have some stock, haven't we? Didn't you get some stock last year? Ten shares. Kentucky Salt Peterman's preferred stock. My brother got you in on the ground floor, didn't he? Where is that now? In the ground. I can't even find it listed on the stock page. Look in the help wanted column. Are you getting relaxed, dear? No, now I'm starting to get nervous. I'm worried about you, John. If anything happened to you on the operating table, it would all be my fault. So, you know what I think? We'll, uh, sneak out, huh? No. I think you should make out a will. Make out a will? I thought you were worried about me. Well, you don't want to leave me at the mercies of all those grasping relatives of yours, do you? The minute you drop dead, they'll... Don't talk like that. Can't you say pass on or something like that? Well, you always say drop dead. That's only when I'm talking to your brother. You could be a little more delicate when you're discussing wills. Why? Because you make it sound like I'm going to go any minute. Well, they don't give you two weeks' notice, you know. Every man should make out a will. Okay, I'll make it out tomorrow. You say it, but you won't do it. Get up now. Do it now. What? Go on, get up, and make out a will. Well, you're out of your mind. In the first place, a will isn't legal unless you have two witnesses. And in second place, I haven't got anything to leave in the first place. Nobody is going to take anything, and I don't need a will. You are the most stubborn man that ever lived, John. Why? Why am I stubborn? It's the hardest thing in the world to make you admit I'm right when you know I'm wrong. There's a woman's logic for you. Suppose I do make out a will, and nobody can touch anything besides you. Okay, so now... You've got it all, my worldly goods. First thing you know, you'll get over your grief, marry a guy without a dollar to his name like that broken-down snore specialist, Dr. Hershey. Oh, I'm 
not going to marry anybody. He'll give up his practice, take you for every penny, my hard-earned money. He'll drive around my brand-new car, drink my bourbon, <laughs> loaf around like the French, never do a day's work. Why don't you make the bum get a job, Blanche? And then screaming like that. Push up and go to sleep. Go to sleep, she tells me. I'm a nervous wreck. She practically walks me into a funeral. Mary's a doctor behind my back. Now she tells me to go to sleep. <sighs> I'll never sleep another wink as long as I... John, the telephone. The telephone. Answer no. it! No. Who, who the dickens is calling? Who moved the phone, Blanche? What'd you get up for? It's right on the night table beside your bed. I thought I was... Uh... Hello? Mrs. Renesses? This is your maternity nurse. You can get ready now. I'm bringing your baby in. What? Blanche, how long have I been here? Isn't he 413? I don't know what this is, but I'm not feeding any babies. A way to run a hospital. It's just a mistake, John. No, I shouldn't have fallen for this operation deal. I could be so comfortable at home in my own bed. One of us should have stayed there. What for? How do you know a prowler won't break in? I left a whole bottle of bourbon on the dresser. Nobody will break in. The turkey would gobble and scare him away. The turkey would gobble? I can just see... Turkey? What turkey? Well, I was going to surprise you. I won a turkey in a raffle, John. You've got a live turkey running around the house? He isn't running around. I've got him tied to your bed. On my bed? What'd you do that for? I'll have the whole thing full of feathers. What'll we do with a live turkey? Well, it's Thanksgiving tomorrow, John, and I thought you'd murder him for dinner. I'm not going to murder any turkeys. But if he lays a beak on my bourbon, I'll chop his head off. Blanche, you're the most impossible woman that ever lived. Oh, I'm sorry, John. I guess everything I do is wrong. I'll go home and put the turkey out. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Never mind. I didn't mean to holler. Let's go to sleep so I can feel good for the operation. I don't think I want you to have it. What's the least I can do for you? Kept you awake all these years with my snoring, and when Dr. Hershey gets through with me, I'll be as quiet as a mouse. But if you stop snoring, I'll never wake you up, will I? No. And if I don't wake you up, we won't fight, will we? That's right. Well, that settles it. I'm not going to let him operate, John. Why not? It's the only chance I get to talk to you. Come on, we're going home. <sighs> I give up. TomSumnerProgram.com TheTomSumnerProgram.com TheTomSumnerProgram.com From the Tom Sumner Show
We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. 